Well, you may have already figured out from uh, some things we said earlier, we're in a series entitled More Than a Book. And let me just ask you again, do you really believe the Bible is more than a book? Yes. And I want you to just, as, as David said, um, he just talked about how he loved God's Word. And Jeremiah said, I found your words and I ate them, so to speak. And he said, they are to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. You know, as I look around, I don't see a lot of people anymore that really have a lot of joy and rejoicing in their heart. And it, and it comes really from God. He's the source of our joy. He's not just our Prince of Peace, but he's the source of our joy. Amen? Now, let me give you a little reading assignment, if you would. It's the longest chapter in the whole wide Bible, okay? But uh, Psalm 119. Just read Psalm 119. Uh, incredible. Uh, and it's smack dab in the middle of the Bible. So it's easy to find and it's a big long one, but it won't take that long to do it. But take your time, take the whole week to do that. And that'll be a, that'll be a help to you. Let's pick up in Psalm 19 this morning. I'm going to start in verse 11. It says the instructions. And let me stop right there too. We're going to run across some words, instructions, decrees, commandments, and so forth. And all of those relate to the Bible. They relate to, to scripture. And it says the instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. There it is again. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Boy, do we need that. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting till Tuesday. (laughs) Just making sure you're with me. Lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold. How many, how many things can you think of in our modern mindset that people say that's more desirable than gold? This is more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning. Everybody say warning. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. Now, I zeroed in on that word warning because uh, the New King James puts this, that, puts it this way, that by them, by the scripture, your servant is warned. And here it says in the New Living, they are a warning to your servant. And um, we're going to look this morning in the moments that we have to see how scripture warns us. And this is part of what makes it more than a book. Uh, everything comes with warnings anymore. You notice that? I mean, even on menus, uh, if you're going to order eggs or certain meat, you know, they warn you at the bottom that, you know, unless you let us cook it like your wallet, uh, (laughs) if you get sick, it's not our fault. And they'll warn you, you know. Uh, Dry cleaning bags have warnings on them. Don't let your kids play with them. Washing instructions on all your clothes. Dry clean only. Don't do this. Don't use bleach. There's warnings on there. Uh, So many things refrigerate after opening. And then a whole lot of things have an expiration date on it. And sometimes you need to pay attention to that. Like if you have mayonnaise from Y2K, you can get rid of that by now. Objects may appear closer, you know, in, in the mirror thing. And then, then just little things at the zoo like, you know, don't feed the tigers, don't touch the gators, that, that, that kind of thing. Well, I, I found a couple others I wanted to show you real quick here. Caution, this sign has sharp edges. Do not touch the edges of this sign. 
It's the whole purpose for the sign. Warning, never iron clothes on body. Warning, not to be used for drying pets. It does work, but you should not do it. Uh, I can make it to the fence in 2.8 seconds. Can you? That's a good one. And then keep right? It's entirely wrong. But we have warnings all over the place, and everything comes with a warning. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. We need warnings. I said we need warnings. So I'm here to warn you this morning. And I'm here to, um, and, and warning is not negative. Warning is very, very positive. And we'll see that as, as we go along this morning. Last week we saw that the Bible, the Word of God is light. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. It's saying that the insight and the light, the knowledge that would come to me from God uh, will help me to see where to step and where not to step and when to move and when not to move. And then verse 130 in the same psalm, Psalm 119, it says, And the entrance of your word brings light, and it gives understanding to the simple. Really what that is, it helps us ordinary people know how to kind of navigate through life because light comes to us. When we don't have light, we don't even see what we're stumbling over. And it's important that we have light. And the enemy of your soul will do all that he can to keep you from having light so that you'll step into his traps And you end up lost, taking the wrong turn, and he's pulled that junk on all of us too many times. Can somebody say something here this morning? Well, we saw that the word is light, and today we're emphasizing that the word is a warning. They are a warning to your servant. The word warned or warning in the Hebrew means to give light, to give light, to enlighten, to send out light. It's to warn, to caution about. It also includes this idea, to instruct and to teach. And so what the Word of God does, it is light and then it sends out light to us. That's what your headlights do at nighttime is to send out light so you can see, hey, we've we've got a curve here. There's something in the road. Uh, We've got to slow down. What is that? You know, and the light goes out ahead of us so that we can get through. I also said that in part of the meaning, it means to instruct and to teach. And much of teaching is warning. Much of teaching is warning. If you're trying to teach someone how to cook or how to uh, use a power saw or to drive or whatever it would be, a lot of it has to do with warning. Don't do this. Make sure you always do this. Make sure you never do this. Let me caution you about this. Always watch for this. And much of, of teaching is just warning to watch out for And that's what the commandments and the instruction of the Word of God does. Now, sometimes when we hear the word commandments or command or law, you know, that kind of like, we kind of stiff arm that a little bit. But we've got to realize what the commandments do, okay? And and we've talked about this, but let's reinforce it this morning. The commandments of God, the teachings of Scripture show us what gives us life and it shows us what takes life away. So the commandments of God show us what gives life and it shows us what takes life away so if the bible ever says to you do this do it it's not busy work it's it's not just you know god giving us hoops to jump through when he says do this if you'll do it it will give you life it will add to your life if it says don't do something he's not trying to kill your joy 
He's not trying to take your fun. If he says don't do something, he's telling you, I'm showing you what would take life away. How many of you, let's be honest this morning, have done some of the don'ts and found that it hurt you? Okay. And so scripture warns us in this way and it shows us what gives life and what takes life away. Warnings are to preserve you. That's what they're for. It's to preserve your life, your relationships, your, your future, uh, all over the place. Warnings preserve us. Warnings have to do with prevention. How many of you know that prevention is better than rescue? And prevention is better than repair and recovery. You know, um, we have before at Disney, they have um, these little boats that you can rent sometimes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm just really worried about you guys. You just never get out. Just read Obadiah all week and... No. Okay, well, anyway, they have these little boats. And if you're going to rent one of those, you have to be a certain height and this and that. And then you have to take a little, like, 10-minute class. And pretty much it's all warnings. And it's don't do this and don't do this. And don't cut in front of the big boats. And don't get right behind them. Don't get too close to this. And don't run into each other. And, and, you know, keep your hands and feet in. And don't stand up. And, you know, it's uh, warnings. And you have to wear the life vest. And attached to the life vest is a little lanyard that actually, if you fall out for some reason, it will unplug and that will turn off the boat. And they're telling you all of those things. Well, how many of you know it's better to have that little class and have those warnings than for you to be cutting in front of big boats and getting run over and all kinds of things? Prevention is better than rescue. And that's what scripture does for us. And I've told you that much of ministry is people repair and people rescue. My goodness. I wish that ministry was just people prepare and we just celebrate and Jesus is good and look how good God is in our lives. But I'm telling you what, we've got to get the light of the word of God into your life, into your house, into your mind, into your mouth. And we've got to hear the warnings of scripture. And this is a very positive thing because there are people that are bought by the blood of Jesus. They belong to God. They're headed into heaven, but they're going to get their way earlier than they're supposed to. Because I'm telling you, there's people that belong to God doing some dumb stuff and acting no different than the world. And if this sounds old-fashioned to you, it's not old-fashioned. It's just, this is just eternal truth. And so we've got to hear and see the warnings of Scripture because they will help us. And I'll say it again, prevention is way better than rescue. If we had perfect sight and insight and perspective, we wouldn't need warnings. But it's become very obvious we don't have perfect sight and insight and perspective. So we need warnings. Everybody say, I need warnings. I want you to note that it says they are a warning to your servant. Servant. And the word servant there has the idea of someone that is submitted, subjected to, a worshiper of. I, I think it just means this. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, you're a servant of God. And they're a warning to us. And they're warning to us because we've acknowledged and declared for our life, God, you are God and I'm not. And Jesus, you are Lord and I'm not. And your word is true. And I need the information from your word. Amen. Because I've tried life without you and without your word and I keep messing it up. And so we find ourselves under the authority then of his word. So your servant is warned by the word. 
There are other people that are not, quote, in the sense of the word servant of God. And so what? The word has no authority in their life. So they ignore the warnings of Scripture. They ignore the light of Scripture. And we don't want to be those people. I said, we don't want to be those people. It says, and there is a great reward for those who obey them. There's great reward. Now, there's a warning for us, and if we'll hear the warning, there's a great reward. The word reward there in the Old Testament Hebrew means the end, the result, the wages. And then it says great reward, and so really it's saying this, that literally, that things would end well. How many of you want things to end well? I mean, you watch all your shows on TV, and you hope they end well. You read your books and shows, and I hope this ends well. Well, what about your real life? Don't you want it to end well? And I'm not just talking about at the very end, end well. I'm talking about the whole grading period, not just finals week. That all along. And so what we need is the warnings of Scripture to come to us and for us to get them and then to act on them. And then that's going to end well. So if it's having to do with a family situation, a, a finance situation, whatever it would be, I need to know what God warns me about, what he instructs me and teaches me to do in this situation so that it will end well. Amen. Proverbs fourteen twelve says there's a way that seems right. Let me tell you something right. Seems right. It's usually not right. You want to know right. Because not quite is not right. And so seems right to a man, but the end thereof is what? The way of... Death. That means that ended really bad. And we don't want things to end really bad. We don't want our life to end really bad. So we need the warnings. Everybody say, I need the warnings. All right, I'm going to get real deep on you here for just a moment. The warnings are found in the Bible. And so if we're going to get them, we're going to have to read the Bible. Y'all with me? I know this is deep. And the enemy of our souls then does not want you to get the warnings. So he wants you to keep this closed. And he'll give you a thousand and one lame excuses every day. And they sound, sounds good to me. I was at church yesterday. This is what tomorrow will be. I was at church yesterday and Pastor Tim read four or five different verses. That should be enough. Well, before you know it, it's Thursday. And the enemy of your soul will do his level best to keep you out of here. Because in here you're going to get warnings and you're going to get light. And you're going to see what that idiot is trying to do to trap you and trip you up. But you'll be able to see this. And you'll make right decisions on this. And so you're going to have to just make up your mind and push past him. And get yourself into the Bible. And I'm, I'm going to help you a little bit later in, in this uh, message this morning. Well, where do I go? What do I read? We're going, to, we're going to get to some things in a moment. So the enemy of your soul does not want you in this book because this is more, more than a book. The Bible speaks to life. The Bible is alive. The Bible is relevant. And the warnings cover our relationships and they cover our motives and they cover um, all kinds of things. Everything in our life. And the warnings protect us. They protect us from temptation, from sin, from error, from fights, from foolishness, from wrong relationships. They protect us from ruin. They protect us from traps and tricks of the enemy. The word protects us in this way. And so it's full of warnings. And don't, don't fail to remember this. 
that warning, teaching is pretty much warning. It goes together. So warning is not always, beware, look out. It, you know, the warning is, do it this way. Do it this way. And then sometimes scripture is very clear, avoid this, watch out for this, beware of this. And I'm going to go through a few of those real quick this morning. Out of all the things scripture warns us about, does anybody have any idea what maybe the number one thing, most concentrated thing that he warns us about is? False teaching. False teaching and false teachers. And the reason... Uh, for that is because I think the dirtiest trick the devil has played on people is religion. It's religion. So there's just enough truth, just enough ritual, just enough whatever for us that it soothes something in us and then we feel that religious itch has been scratched and we feel like we're doing okay and we don't have light and we don't have warnings and we don't know what to do and we're kind of like that little video skit that we had you know it's like well what you go to church you do the whole god thing what would you do to drink coffee (laughs) could i get a refill you know and um false teachings and false teachers because there'll be elements of truth but it'll throw you off and along with this it's not just out and out blatant false but also this wrong emphasis Because wrong emphasis moves you away from the main things and gets you preoccupied with the minor things and the fringe things. And if you can get somebody away from, you know, in a battle sense, to leave their guns and ammo and armor and come over here and play with your lunchbox, you know, you can get people off on that. You know, and we have to be careful because all extremes lead to error. All extremes lead to error. And I believe God wants to bless us. But that's not the only thing God wants to do. You know, and if, and if that's all somebody's pushing, you've got to watch that. That's an extreme. That's going to take you, that's going to take you too far. Also, the false, this idea of false includes the thought of being careless. And so, you know, we're super careful to make sure that we're rightly dividing the word and presenting the word that is sound, rightly dividing that. And that is... That is the job and the goal and the guts of what we're doing that is to rightly divide the word of God because we don't want to be careless with this. How many of you would like a careless pharmacist? Well, it started with an S and uh, they wanted 60 of them, you know, and and you would not want a careless pharmacist, nor would you want a careless uh, pilot. Or a careless surgeon who goes out to tell your family how you did during surgery and he goes, wonder where I left my watch. (laughs) And so careless. And Jesus warns us and Paul warns us and even Old Testament warns us. And so listen folks, the way to understand and recognize counterfeit is to deal with the real deal. And get yourself and keep yourself in the word. And get yourself and keep yourself in a Bible-believing church. And, and those things together are going to help you. And, and I'm sorry to break this news to you here this morning. But you can't go with everything you see on Christian television. And every book you can buy, you know, with a Christian whatever. Or every, or every little ad or card that has a little Christian fish on it. Okay, we've got to be a little more discerning and a little more informed. Well, let me... 
Change that statement. We've got to be a whole lot more discerning and a whole lot more informed. Because number one warning is the false that would be out there. So cling to the true. Here's some other major warnings. Hardness of heart. And that's a warning to us. How many of you love God? How many of you are committed to God? Come on, come on. It's a warning to you. It's a warning to us that we who are constantly around worship and the word and other believers and prayer and all those things. You know what? We are the most susceptible to having a hard heart. Because we, get, we fall into the trap of getting used to it. And so we lift our hands to the Lord, but our heart's not attached anymore. Guess what that does? That hurts your heart. It hardens your heart. We go through the word, but it's no longer letting it speak to us. We're just going through it because we're supposed to go through it. And so we're just reading through like an auctioneer. You know, and just going through. There we go. I did my, I did my duty. You know, and hardness of heart. And we don't pray like we should sometimes. And we don't rejoice like we should. Now I've had some good praise reports from, from some people this morning. Going through some stuff. And God came through and God came through and God came through. Well, how dare any of us to just go, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> there should be some joy in our heart about it. We've got to guard this and keep your heart soft and pliable. And number one way to do it is get before a holy God and say, God, help me to keep my heart soft. And in the presence of God, it's not just light, it's also warmth and heat. And that will keep your heart soft before God. But the scripture warns us, and especially us, because we're coming to church, and we're coming to church, and we're carrying our Bible, and we're doing all the Christian stuff. Guard your heart that it stays real, and that it stays healthy, and it stays soft towards God, and toward people, and toward the lost. Thank you for all three amens right there, right there. It also warns us against envying the world and envying the way of the world. Here's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to make you think. Let me ask you this question first. How many of you have been the way of the world before? Let me tell you what the enemy will try to do. He'll try to convince you now, because you're following God, that you left something out there. And you better go back and get it. Or you're missing out on something. Or they're doing all kinds of new stuff out there now. You better go check it out. And let me just remind you of a couple things. Number one, the devil is a liar. And secondly, you've forgotten a lot. We've forgotten a lot. You forgot the misery and the depression. And you forgot what it's like to live without the peace of God. And scripture warns us, sinners entice you, don't consent. Don't consent. And we are to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And get this, we're to be salt. And we're to be light, and we're to be, and we're to be sugar. Nothing worse than nasty Christians. Did y'all hear me? Nothing worse than nasty Christians. Y'all be the sweetest ones out there. Scripture also warns us to keep God first. Why? Why do we have to be warned about that? Because so many other things try to encroach and cut in line and be first place in our life. And, and uh, we've already received the offering, so everybody can relax in this. But Deuteronomy teaches us that one of the purposes for the tithe is to teach you to always put God first. So that whenever any increase comes into your life, the first part of it belongs to him. And you know that, whether or not you're doing it or not, 
You know that this came from God and the first part belongs back to God. But that's one of the ways that we can keep God first in our life. And we let entertainment, we let hobbies and interests and people and problems and worry and all kinds of things get into that first place that belongs to God. And scripture warns us, don't let anything else get in his place. Keep him first. Scripture talks to us and warns us about relationships. Unholy alliances. Unhealthy associations. Uh, 1 Corinthians tells us that evil companions corrupt good character. And again, we're in the world, but not, we're not of the world. But you need to make sure who's influencing who. I'll say it again. You need to make sure who is influencing who. And that you always have to keep the influence margin there. If you find you're being too influenced by somebody, it doesn't mean you've got to throw them out of your life. But it just means we need to increase that margin because I'm finding myself pulled and influenced in the wrong way. But if you're influencing somebody for God, keep moving, keep moving toward, toward and monitor that influence. And further regarding relationships, the New Testament, most of it talks about one another. It majors on one another. It's about relationships. Listen to me, church. You can have your prayer closet and you can have all your other kind of stuff. And I'm going to hit this again for some reason. But if you don't treat people right, it don't count. It just does not count. And so we want to make sure that we pray for one another and are patient with one another and love one another. And weep with those that weep and rejoice with those who rejoice and bear one another's burdens. One another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. And it also says don't judge one another. I mean, it's just all over the place how we interact. This is the real deal of how we deal with one another. And scripture warns us of that. You with me so far? And then it talks about communication and about talking. Did you know scripture warns you about talking? And mostly it says this, do less of it. <laughs> Scripture is real clear. Proverbs 10, Proverbs 17, it says that the more talking, the more likely you're going to sin. And you know what? And I don't care who you are. Ladies are saying it's the guys. Guys are saying it's the ladies. I don't care who you are. The longer you talk, somebody's going to make up something. <laughs> yeah, well, I caught a fish three times that big. You know, or whatever it would be. And so the Bible really says the less talk, the less likely you're going to sin. Make sure that when you talk, it counts. And it also says this, that if you'll just be quiet, people around you will think you're wise. You might do really good to just sometimes go, hmm. (laughs) Totally lost in the conversation. Hmm. They'll be inviting you to come speak. Because you didn't speak. And so there's much to say about our words to make sure that our words, our conversation is seasoned with grace and that it's edifying to the people around us. I'm telling you, for some reason, the Holy Spirit is pushing this about how we treat one another here this morning. Amen. Well, let me, let me just kind of work towards something here. The Bible warns us and the Bible teaches us. And so, I, as I told you last week, don't just start at the beginning. This is a little bit different here. I want to encourage you because we're after the warnings. Everybody say, I need warnings. I want you to get into the Proverbs every day. There's 31 Proverbs. You've heard this before, but I'm telling you again, there's 31 Proverbs. Most months have 31 days. I can always hear the questions. Well, what about the months don't have 31 days? You work it out. (laughs) Whatever works for you, okay? 
I don't know what to do with these leftovers. <laughs> Get in the Proverbs. It's the most concentrated section in the whole Bible of the warnings and instructions of how to live. And so for every day, whatever day of the week it is, what is today? Eight, 18th? For the 18th, you should read Proverbs 18. I've been doing it for probably about 30 years, honestly. And keep going through, keep going through, keep going through. The second thing you need to do is get into the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of the early followers of Jesus who wrote what he did, what he taught, how he acted. And that's what you need to do. You need to be in constant recycling through the Gospels. Just little short sections here. There's no trophy for reading 24 chapters. But there's blessing and impact in your life to just take a section and follow Jesus. Watch what Jesus did. Watch how he handled things. Watch what he taught, what he warned about. Get a hold of those. And then you have the epistles. 21 short books. Romans all the way to Jude in the New Testament. Short books written for New Testament believers. And it tells us how to walk before God and how to handle life and how to treat one another. And it's going to give you warnings on how to deal with life. We're not ignoring the Old Testament. The the Old Testament was the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And as New Testament believers, the bulk of your time needs to be New Testament. The Old Testament was written for our learning, for our warning, 1 Corinthians 10 says. It's for an example for us because we're prone to the same things they were. So you do want to work that in, but the majority and the emphasis of your reading should be New Testament. And then also including for sure Proverbs and Psalms on a regular basis with this. Now, this is not just a don't book. Did you hear what I said? This is not just a don't book. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. It's like a substitute teacher. Don't, 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 or at least the ones I had. Uh, A couple years ago, we were on vacation up in Pigeon Forge, and there was a pancake house. That's an understatement because there's like dozens of them up there. But this one we went to one time, they had signs up all over the place. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't let your children here. Don't, 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 don't. I went into the restroom. Some more don't, 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 don't. I came back and sat down. I said, there's more in the restroom. I almost don't paid for it. Because we don't have a good time there. Just don't. And some people, that's their view of the Bible. It's just, it's don't and don't and don't and don't. Listen to me. No, the commandments show you what gives you life and what takes life away. This is a do book. He said, do this and live. Do this and live. And I can't emphasize that enough to you. And I'm telling you that dirty, rotten scoundrel, the devil, the enemy of your soul, he's going to do all that he can to keep you out of that book because he's going to make you think it's a don't book. And it's a do book. And you do it and you're going to live. I read recently about an American minister and his wife and they... um, they went to, uh, they were visiting in Oxford, England. And if you know anything about England, their traffic goes the other way. Right. I started to say the wrong way, but. Uh, and they were staying pretty much in the center of town. And they were going to go to a restaurant across the street, busy section of the city. 
And so they got out to the edge. And again, traffic's going the other way. So let me see if I can get this right. So they looked to the right. And they waited. And then once it cleared, then they crossed over and they got into the median. And they got in the median. Something happened in the mind and in the thinking of the husband. And they're not really talking. They're just waiting to cross over the next so they can go have breakfast. And he reverted back to what he was comfortable with, with habit. And he looked the wrong way. And he looked and it looked clear and he started to step off and he took a half a step. And his wife shouted something to him in a tone of voice that meant warning. And a tone of voice that meant stop. And she just shouted just, just like that and she said, Johnny! And he froze. And he said, within inches, a car going 30, 40 miles an hour came by. What if, what if she had not warned him? What if he didn't listen to the warning? He would have been dead or severely injured. And I'm telling you that the warning is because of love. It's because of mercy and love. And his wife, because she loved him, Johnny. And sometimes I hear the Spirit and the Word say, Tim, Louie, Kathy, Louis. Well, we got another Louis. And you need to hear and heed this. And don't let the enemy of your soul keep you out of this book. There's a young man in Proverbs 5. His life is ruined. And he said, I didn't listen to the warnings. I didn't listen to the teachers. And my life is in total ruin. It doesn't have to be. Prevention and preservation is way better than rescue and recovery. And scripture speaks to us. Because it is more than a book. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today?